Well, good afternoon. It's good to see each of you. It's great we can be together this afternoon and sing praises and worship God again. And in just a moment, we'll be over there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You know, I think about that idea of rescue. And, um, you know, you think about people who get in the situation where they need rescued. I remember when we were in Alaska, we had two teenage boys that were out on... Uh, well, in Alaska, they call them snow machines instead of snowmobiles, but they were on the back side of a pass, Astor Pass, and whew, uh, they were out in that thing on snow a long time and uh, dealt with frostbite and were put in the hospital, and they're worried about them losing maybe toes, fingers, even feet. Uh, but, you know, they couldn't get out of there. So, I mean, there was quite a rescue effort. For someone to find them. You think about that idea of being in a situation where you need rescued. Well, in this passage of scripture that Tim read for us here in uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, you get down to the end of verse 10, and we're going to do this backwards. We're going to spend time in verse 10, and then we'll back up and see some highlights from 8 and 9. Who rescues us from the wrath to come? I wonder whose wrath it is to come. I really don't wonder whose wrath that is, but you get God angry with you and you have to deal with his anger or his wrath, not going to turn out good, is it? Remember when a whole world of people uh, had to deal with God's wrath in 40 days of and 40 nights of rain and they all drowned uh, because they made God angry because of their unrighteousness and the trials and tribulation they brought on the few righteous. And so you think about that. I think about this a lot. I know as we get to the end or close to the end of 1 Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 18, it says, <clears throat> um, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we are alive and remain, shall we caught up together with them in the clouds. But then we go on over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and he says he's also bringing with him some uh, mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. That's all about God's wrath. God will welcome the faithful home to heaven, and he will cast, God will cast the unfaithful into eternal destruction, a place prepared for Satan for eternity. And so you think about that, God's wrath. If you, we, and we don't have time. If we had time, we'd back up in the Old Testament and we would look at passages about God's wrath coming down on people. It was always devastating and overwhelming. And so to be rescued from the wrath of God, because I deserve God's wrath, right? You deserve God's wrath. So we need rescued from it. Well, there's only one who can rescue you. One. Hmm, there's one lawgiver and judge, one who's able to save and destroy, James 4 and verse 12. While we're on 4 and 12, also Acts 4 and verse 12, says there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus also said, this is recorded in John 14 and verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man can. Jesus is it. The only hope anybody, you know, today people don't like there's only one way. You know, I get, I get overwhelmed and 
kind of wears me out. So I haven't been keeping up with the Afghanistan thing too much, but um, if they only had buses going out of Afghanistan, you got to get on the bus if that was the only way out. Well, you can see how they're coming out. They're not getting out too fast, and I don't even know what to think about it all, but um, I feel sorry for people that are dealing with tragedy, but also um, think about a lot of other things on, the, on that level. But you look at that. Jesus is your only hope. If, if you were there and they said, well, your only hope is for uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger to show up, and he's got to hold your hand to come out of Afghanistan then you would know no one else is going to bring you out. It has to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay? But when we look at that, the only way out of dealing with the wrath of God and being cast into hell is Jesus Christ. And the plan that God put into effect to take advantage of that, as we've mentioned so many times, to hear God's word, Romans 10, 17, um, to believe that word, that message that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Mark 16, 15, and 16. And then believe in it, you must confess it with your own mouth, like in um, Acts 8 and verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and preached Jesus to him, but that Ethiopian confessed, I do believe Jesus Christ, Son of God. And then once confessing, also repenting, as Acts 2 and verse 38 says, one must repent and be baptized. Yes, you must be baptized to have your sins washed away, Acts 22 and verse 16. But then it doesn't stop there. That's how you become a Christian. Romans 6 and verse 4 says that's where it starts because now you're raised up to walk a new life. And then once, if while we're Christians, we stumble and we sin, we have an avenue to repair that relationship, don't we? Confess that sin and repent. God is amazing that he is willing to give us the opportunity to be rescued. So let's look at a few passages uh, of the New Testament about uh, God's rescue or Him rescuing us. Turn with me over to uh, Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. Now we know we're getting close to the end of the life of Christ. Matter of fact, He's hanging on a cross. And if you look at this passage a little bit, in verse 42, they said, He saved others. He cannot save Himself. He is the King of Israel. Let Him come down from the cross, and we will believe it. Isn't that interesting? You can do all you... You know people do that even today. Well, if God would do this, God's done more for you than you deserve. Don't ask Him to do something else. Have you ever noticed we're like that? He says, well, now, Jesus, if you'll do this, if you come down off that cross, then we'll believe. Here's my response. Liars. You haven't taken what he's given you already. But look at verse 43, and it's a quote from Psalm 22.8. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he delights in him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Hmm. God didn't rescue Jesus from the beating, did he? God didn't rescue Jesus from the ridicule, did he? God didn't rescue him from those nails spiked being drove through his hands and his feet, did he? 
God didn't rescue him from having a spear shoved in his side. God didn't rescue him from death until Sunday morning when he raised him from the dead. God rescued him. Now, where's Jesus now? He's seated at the right hand of God. For how long? A week? hundred years? thousand years? Forever. He rescued him. Now, see, you look at that. I think about that on lots, lots of different levels. If we took time to go through the New Testament and we think about these people that were martyred for their Christianity, they died for being Christians, but did God rescue them? He welcomed them in eternal bliss. We think about how important that is. We, we spoke about that a lot through the uh, last year or so, but our reward is where? At the bank, right? Your reward's in a bank. Hmm. Our reward, listen to me, and we gotta, we can't say this enough. It's not here. It's in heaven. We got to quit thinking it's about something here. Whenever you focus on the here and now, you lose sight in the forever. So we can't let the here and now wear us out. We got to say it's not about here and now. And just like Kathy had mentioned, you know, you get down to it, people bring up, God's in control. Now, sometimes we say that because that's what they need to hear. Sometimes we say it because we need to hear it again. But I'm guaranteeing it's right no matter who needs to hear it. It'll never be wrong. God's in control and he can rescue us. Look at, let's look at another one. Go with me over to Acts uh, 7. Acts 7. Now he's going to talk about a time in the past. Matter of fact, he's really going to be talking about uh, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Well, if you get in the book of Exodus, you know what that's about, right? Exodus, that's to exit, to go out. And what's the biggest going out in the whole Bible? Uh, I think something about Egypt. So we're going to find early in the book of Exodus, first this lovely little baby that's, uh, he's going to be a captain of a great ship because he's floating around a basket. No, but he is floating around a basket. And it, it's interesting to look how all that plays out. And then he's in a foreign land and God calls him. Now, I think this is interesting. He needs, well, he chooses Moses to be the man. And Moses can come up with more excuses than this room. I mean, he got all, but, you know, I just don't, I still think it's interesting, and it is interesting to look how this plays out. So he says, I'll send Aaron to speak. Have you ever paid attention He's going to send Aaron to speak. Have you ever paid attention when they're there? Who does all the talking? It's not Aaron. Moses can talk with the best of them. It was just a lame excuse. I, I bet God knew that. <laughs> no, I don't bet he did. I'm sure he did. But look at this, and here's what we got to remember. So Acts 7 and uh, verse 34. Uh, that's not the passage. Yeah, it is. Acts 7 verse 34. I need to turn the page. So that's not the passage I want. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. What was happening to his people in Egypt? First they went to Egypt because some brothers sold their little brother into slavery. And at 30 years old, a foreigner at 30 years old, right, I, he's, 
Joseph's my favorite Old Testament character. But he rises to a level no one could dream of in Egypt. I mean, there's Pharaoh, and then there's a foreign Jewish boy, 30 years old, who's large and in charge. And he's been in prison. He's done, I mean, it's just like, how in the world does this work? I wonder if he had him some coats of many colors made when he was in Egypt, so he wore them dudes all the time. That would be camouflage, if you just want to know. Coat of many colors. Cam first camouflage coat ever mentioned. But anyway... What are you shaking your head no about back there? So we look and we see that he says he notices what's happening to these people, his people in Egypt, and he's heard their groanings because they're slaves who are seriously mistreated. And I've come down to rescue them. Come now and I will send you to Egypt. Here we go, Moses. I've come down to rescue them. And you're the man's going to lead the way. Now, I want you to notice something there. So God's going to, God rescued them. But did he need a man to submit to the plan to get, the plan of salvation to all hinged on the basis that Jesus lived, Jesus died the way the Bible said, Jesus resurrected the way the Bible says plan of salvation is how you come in contact with the blood of Christ to receive the forgiveness of sin. But isn't it interesting how God involved man to be able to accomplish this? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. God says, I need you to go into all the world. He chose man, preaching to man, to be able to accomplish what needs to be accomplished in this gospel plan. Just like he had to have Moses, he chose Moses to go get, I need someone to do this. So I want you to realize today in 2020, you are as essential to God's plan as Moses was to that plan. Isn't that amazing to think about? You're on Moses' level. Don't be using a bunch of excuses like he did because he always said, or you can even get worse and you can be like, Jonah and just try to run from God. You got to watch out. A big fish might swallow you. I still remember my instructor in preaching school. He was real visual speaker. And I remember he said so. He spit old, that fish spit old Jonah out on the seashore. And he went a running straight for Nineveh. He made a three-day trip in a day. But anyway, I don't know about that. But uh, you think about that. God has a way of persuading, and God has a way of getting his will done no matter what. Now, here's what I always think. So if I don't submit to be available for God, he'll use somebody else, won't he? And then I got, won't get rescued from that wrath. But he sent God's notices when his people are being mistreated, all through the Bible. And God sends an avenue in which to rescue them. Look at another one over in Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. <clears throat> um, let's see. Let's put, pick up here at verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might rescue us from this present evil age. This present evil age. That almost sounds like the Noah thing. According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus gave himself to rescue us from Satan. 
Satan wants to see your receive the most tragic existence in eternity that could ever be out. The thing that was made to punish Satan, you'll deal with unless Jesus rescued. Jesus came to rescue us. We can't rescue ourselves. There was a song a long time ago, you can't buy a ticket to your heavenly home. Okay, you can't buy it. You don't have enough money. I don't know. So you get to thinking, God says, well, let me come up with a figure. So if you want to go to heaven, there's not a figure. If you took all the money that is on the earth, that's not enough. Because here's what it takes to pay for your sin. Sinless blood shed in your place. When someone gets to the age of accountability, there's only been one that could shed that blood. Jesus the Christ. To rescue me. You know, being lost. Now, I grew up in Kansas, and I tell people, physically, it's impossible to get lost in Kansas. Okay? Because just if there's a road here going south, in one mile, there's another road going south and north. And if this, there's a road here, and in a mile, there's another road here. There, it's just laid out like that. Every mile there's a road. So the furthest you can get from the road's a half mile, stand right in the middle. It's hard to get, you're dumber than a box of rocks if you can get lost in that. Because it's a half mile walk to the road at the longest, unless you turn and went the wrong way. And I'm telling you what, you can see the other road out there. And you can see the next road out there before you. So you, I mean, you can't get lost. But now, I remember when I was getting ready to move to Alaska, and Bill Beebe, he was from Arkansas originally, but he was one of the elders there. He knew I hunted and stuff. And he says, Kendall, have you ever hunted big open country? I said, well, I've hunted the Rocky Mountains and stuff. He says, let me tell you, you take the Rocky Mountains anywhere, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, compared to Alaska, it's like hunting in a closet. Now, I didn't know what that was till someone flies you in, drops you off and flies away. And you think if they don't get back, no one knows where I'm at. And I remember one time on a caribou hunt on the north slope, and I thought Israel, he was probably 13 years old, and I thought he was walking the wrong way. He was walking at elevation to see, but I thought, how am I going to catch him up? He's got three-quarters of a mile head start on him, but i got to catch him because it's 200 miles across tundra with nobody till you get to the ocean, and then 100 miles swim to Russia. So there's nothing. It's like all of Missouri's out there with not a soul in it. And you're walking out there. You can get lost there now. One reason you can get lost there, if you use an old school compass, it's off 15 degrees there already because you're too close to the north end of the planet. So everything you have to think about. Well, until you've really been lost, and probably most of us never had, probably been feared sometime, had fear sometime, but first you have to know you're lost. You understand that before you become a Christian, don't you? I hit you right in the gut. before you'll allow yourself to be rescued. And you got to realize I can't rescue myself. I've got to say, help! He can rescue us. Let's look at another one I like really well. Um, I think Caleb mentioned this passage this morning. 2 Peter 2. If he didn't, he should have. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. 
help. I think about another one on that. It's over there in the model prayer. People call the Lord's Prayer. You ever notice one thing Jesus says, lead us not into temptation. But this passage says, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from, you know, a lot of times we put ourselves in situations to be tempted. Did you know that? It's our own stupidity. Or we think we can handle it. You know, we think about that, flee from immorality, flee from idolatry, flee from this and flee from that. It says God's able to rescue you. Stay out of the situation. So he's able to rescue the ungodly from temptation and to keep the unrighteousness under punishment for the day of judgment. Woo! I want rescued, not punished. Now, when I was a kid growing up, I got punished. I could tell you a bunch of stories, man. I'll tell you one. I got whipped more times than I can remember. But beating me was like beating a rock. If you got lucky, it'd bring forth water. You know, that's about the best they'd do. But it didn't do much good. It, it, you know, but they kept working on it. Spare the rod, spoil the child. They were doing their best not to spoil me, just to beat me. But I still remember, and I won't even talk about the whole reason I get in trouble. My mom just decided she's going to try something new. And so she says, I tell you what, this month, because we had dessert every supper, she says, you get no dessert. And people know I don't eat dessert much because I, I have, my mom ruined me that day. So now my idea is if you got a pie, I do not want a piece of pie. Either give me the whole pie or don't even offer a thing to me. And no, I don't want two cookies. I want the package or none. See, she held it back for him for a punishment from her. But not only that, so my mom could almost bake. Yeah, no, she is superb. And so, man, we had awesome desserts at every supper. And... They made me sit there and watch him eat it. And I wanted to kill the kid that got me in trouble. He's lucky he's still alive. But you look at that, oh, man, this is terrible. Just beat me. I'll eat a piece of dessert. Uh, that kind of worked. But anyway, so we think about this. Rescue us from temptation. Sometimes people can help. Come on, I'm going to take. I remember one guy saying he had a terrible drinking problem and when he first become a christian he'd fall back into it again he said i had a brother that in christ every day would come and get me out of that bar he was rescuing him no come on you can't be in here you're in here you're gonna drink what is your problem god's able to rescue us from temptation turn over to colossians chapter one colossians one for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the free. He rescued us from darkness. Huh. You know, it's kind of interesting to get in a situation that it's just dark as dark can be. I still tell that story every once in a while. We were in Branson at the... A cave there at Silver Dollar City and we were the last group and somehow they weren't planning on let's go through there and so we're there and they shut off all the lights on us while we're in the cave it's black 30 you can't see nothing it's dark hope that we can't walk anywhere and this I mean we weren't carrying cell phones with flashlights and stuff back then so just like I hope somebody turns a light on rescue us because there's some places you could probably do yourself some damage if you didn't watch out 
So you see that he rescued us from that darkness, from that darkness and domain, which represents the sinfulness we have. So let me turn back over here to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want to show you a couple things before we start tying this all together. So he rescued us from the wrath of God, those of us who are we wait for his son. But in verse 8 it says, The word of the Lord is sounded forth from you. Who's he rescuing? From the people who are sounding the word of the Lord out. The people who are preaching that message, who's getting that message out there. It says, The word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia where they live, but also in every place your faith towards God has gone forth. And we have no need to say anything. So, so when we go visit here, they know about the gospel because you've already been there before us. I mean, you guys are just teaching people the gospel left and right. This is sounded for. I thought about that this morning since I was going to talk about slaves and master and we sang a song of the north. Uh, mine eyes have seen the glory, which is really not a song about the northern part, northern states, but it was adopted by them. But you think about that, and we think about what the Lord, and we've sounded forth that battle cry. We've sounded forth. I'm going to be heard. You know, I think about that when that um, air conditioner's on, that fan. Sometimes people get up here and read scripture or pray, and you can't hear them back there, can you? You can hear me, though, because I'm going to sound forth. I'm gonna, if I'm going to tell you, it's going to be heard. So you got to think about that. You know, you got to think about everything. So I say you got to yell at the back guy in the, the guy in the back room back there. So we need to speak. Now, that means people in front are going to get blown out, but that's the only way people in the back can hear. And it's funny to me because people think, well, they can hear me. I'm speaking plenty loud. Well, Lincoln can hear me anyway. But Gloria and Patrice, they can't hear me if I'm only talking this loud. They can't tell what I'm saying. But they can tell what I'm saying. So we got to sound. I think about we got to be proud of the gospel. We got to be proud of it. Or we don't talk about it under, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe, I believe Jesus Christ. No, we got to be proud. So I think about the church here in Thessalonica. Those who were being rescued were those who were sounding forth the gospel. And everyone even in places far away, knew who they were and what they believed. Is that what they know about us? That needs to be what they know about us. Oh, there's so many passages. You know, I think about 2 Timothy. We're to preach the word. We're to be ready in season and out of season. And that's already mentioned in Acts 8 and verse 35. When Philip ran up to the chariot, I'm telling you, man, I always tell, now Philip, he's an athlete. He can run a chariot down. He, he run up there and he gets in that chariot and here's what it says. He opened his mouth and yawned and laid down for a nap. Nope. He opened his mouth and he preached Jesus to him. You know, I thought about it since last week when I said, well, let's see everyone take this challenge and don't talk about COVID this week. All of you failed the challenge, didn't you? So you look at that now, here's what it is. It's not wrong to talk about COVID. You've got to watch how you talk about it and how it affects people. But you better be talking about Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus as much, if not more. Or we're talking about the wrong thing. I mean, I think about, doesn't 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2 still says, I've determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified? 
We need to be those people. So jump on to the next verse, uh, verse, verse 9 here. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols. And then what's it say? To serve a living and true God. That, that boggles my mind still. I don't get it. And, and because of my upbringing, I don't get it. I don't know why you would go in and pray to some figure on a wall. I don't get that. I don't know why I would have some little beads. and I don't know why you would bow down to any man-made thing. Man-made it. That's like I made it. So let's say, I don't know, let's take my house. I built my house. So I'm going to go pray. Oh, house of mine, please help me through this day. How dumb is that? I built that house. That's like the creator praying to the created. That makes no sense. God asking me for something. What do you, what do you mean asking? You have everything. You are, I'm yours. So you think about that. They're serving. People do serve a lot of foolishness though, don't they? Hmm. You know, you just think about all kinds of things. I think about this whole health and wealth gospel that's out there today. Big thing. Now, I'm going to tell you what. These guys that are preaching that, what are they going to say about the health and wealth when they die? Well, I guess they died rich, so I guess they got the wealth thing down. But um, I think Solomon said a little bit about dying and being wealthy and leaving all that behind. To paraphrase, he says, you're going to leave all this behind. You worked so hard to acquire, to leave it to people who did nothing for it that will squander it away on things you'd never approve of. Should have left all the Lord, shouldn't you? I think that's what he says. You've got to hear God, fear God, and keep his commandments. This is a whole duty of man. So I think about how important that is, but I think about to serve a living God, to serve a living God. Turn with me real quick. I'll, I'll look at one other passage here on that point. Turn with me over to uh, Romans chapter 12. And then I got one more and it's yours. Romans chapter 12. Look at verses 10 and 9. Be devoted to one another. So even, I mean, people mention it all the time. Dennis mentioned his prayer today about the congregation here. This congregation is important to us, isn't it? Every member here is important to us. We need to be devoted to each other. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to contact every member every day, does it? I don't have that kind of time. And sometimes someone takes up a little, and, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Well, I know other people are contacting them, but maybe not so many people are contacting them, so I'm going to contact them. But that's because of our concern for people, right? That's good, and that's wholesome. Not that we have are going to treat one person better than another, but you think about that. Be devoted for one another in brotherly love. I always used to say that means you're going to have a bruised bicep. Because my brothers used to hit me in my bicep all the time when I was a little brother. And they told me that was brotherly love. They lied through their teeth. <laughs> brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. I like this, not lagging behind in diligence. Wanting to run at the front of the pack. Listen to this. Fervent in spirit, but listen to this. Serve all that. All that we do for other people is really, I know we're trying to help others, but it's really about serving the Lord, isn't it? 
So when you think back to this passage, serving the living God. So one last passage on rescue, and we'll end here. Turn with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 18. I love this passage. The Lord might rescue. It doesn't say that? The Lord will. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. The Lord, he... He gives me the capability to be rescued from every... The Lord will rescue me from every evil and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He said the Lord will rescue me. I can't rescue... Let me tell you what. This is God's Word. This is the Bible. You know, I hear people say we worship... I don't worship the Bible. I worship the author of the Bible. I don't worship the Bible. Now, I am so thankful for the Bible because it tells me what God expects of me. But I want you to think about that. So he's able to rescue me. He's able to save my soul. Um, can the church save you? Only the Lord. Can your mama save you? Only the Lord. Can the Republicans and Democrats and the... Can the medical field? Now, I know, I'm sure, that Google or Facebook or Yahoo, one of them can save you, sure. They say they can. Hmm. A big bank account. You know, there's people that trust in all the things I just mentioned. And they're foolish and they don't trust in the Lord. We've got to proclaim this message that Jesus is the Savior. But I want you to know something. Jesus is not the Savior to everybody. In Ephesians 5 and verse 23, it says, Jesus is the Savior of the body. That's the church. That's Christians. He'll rescue us. Wow. So we're going to sing a song as an invitation song. If I remember right, that song is, I have decided to follow Jesus. Am I right? Where's Jesus again? You want to follow him right where he is. If we can help you in any way with your relationship with God, please come as we stand and sing. I have decided.